if you if you want a good picture of lawlessness, go and and watch the Twisted Sister video. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to take it. <laughs> like watch the whole thing. Yeah. Because it, it's very much this like. Mom and dad are stupid, they're old, they don't know what they're talking about, they're out of touch. I'm gonna do things my way, I'm gonna trash the place. Yeah. That's what lawlessness is. It's like BC boys, you gotta fight for your right to party. Exactly, yeah, yeah same thing. This is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. And Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, right. So now what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, We're in the kind of post-Easter, you know, you kind of launch off of Easter like a ramp and then you just kind of float for a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we finally have enough time for a podcast now, and yeah. hopefully will in the future. We'll be a little more steady, but man, Lent was busy. It was. It was particularly, yeah, I don't know why. It was particularly busy. We had a lot going on. We had a lot of new members join the church, which mm-hmm. took up a lot of my time, which is good. Hey, yep. good that's, a, that's a good reason to be busy. Yeah. Uh, and then we had Lent services in between on Wednesdays. We had... Uh, Romans continues to to march forward and and uh, yeah, it was a great season. I think honestly, one in in my recent memory, one of my favorite Lent Easter seasons. Yeah, it's just really fulfilling, engaging, worshipful. It's like finally meaningful. a normal Easter. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, I do have a joke. Ooh. I'm not the typical person with the joke, but I have one. I'm proud, uh, proud what do you, you call and somebody somebody told me this joke and I'm blanking my I'm brain dead after Easter <laughs> I'm I'm blanking on who told me the joke so if somebody told me this joke thank you but I can't remember the context in which I heard it but uh what do you call a chicken that does math mm, chicken that does math I don't know a mathematic chicken <laughs> See, I, yeah, mathematic chicken. I think that's a good dad joke for like kids who are just learning how to like spell and stuff. Yeah, third they, graders. They, yeah, well, they that, and they're the, doing. They the, understand the term mathematician. Yeah, right. And words are just inherently funny sometimes if you just squish mm-hmm. them together. That's about half of dad jokes right there. Yeah. Pretty much. So we wanted to break down the sermon a little bit. Um, you know, Easter Day. Let me just say that preaching is challenging. It's challenging to preach on Easter too because you got to pack a lot into not a lot of time, and you're and sometimes you only see people a couple times a year, so you're mm-hmm. like, I got to get everything in here. Yep. And uh, that's why I wanted to break this down a little bit more. But um, well, yeah, and you have to think about the text. Um, you want to be faithful to what the Bible says and accurate, mm-hmm. and you got to think about the season you got to think about who's in the pews for us we got to think a little bit about who's uh hearing this out in tv land on ntv Mm -hmm. and oh yeah by the way you have 15 minutes yep so get it all done go for it yeah so i think the main point of my sermon if i could summarize it was that 
we are saved entirely by God's grace, his favor, his kindness to us in Christ. And that grace is given to us as a gift um, through faith, um, through faith in Christ uh, because of what he's done for us. It's not by the law. Right. The law shows us that we need grace, that we need the gospel. But the law is powerless to save us because yeah. of sin. Right. So the law can't save us. I like a few, I don't know, a few months ago now, you said, you know, the law tells us to fly, but it doesn't give us wings. Yeah. It doesn't raise people from the dead. It yeah. never will. Um, so with that in mind, uh, grace forgives and it forgives at our worst and it continues mm -hmm. to forgive as we struggle. It's grace upon grace upon grace. Um, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We heard right. that um, in Romans 5. And so now there's this question that comes up that Paul addresses. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Yeah. Sure, is, right? Right. <laughs> and I, I like how you brought that out in the sermon, just thinking, well, like, that's a really good situation, you know? Like, mm -hmm. got all this free grace. Why not just keep sinning? I like to sin. God likes to happy. forgive. Yeah. yeah, and so... I think this really does lead to huge errors. In fact, Paul says, what does he say in, in Romans 6? What's the phrase? In Greek, it's meganoita, yeah. which he uses multiple times, which is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it means. Yeah. Is there any like other like cultural ways to say that in kind of a funny way? Like, like I think hell no is close. It's kind of, yeah. yeah it's, like, I mean, it's like the strongest way to say no. Or like, are you for real? Yeah. Like, get, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. Like kind of a, you almost, it's a bit of an insult on top of saying no. Yeah. It's like, we're not on the same page. Yeah. It's like, why would you even think that way? Yeah. It's like, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things. What movie is that? Happy Gilmore. That's Happy Gilmore. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm not trying to be condescending here. It's just that Paul is really saying like hard no because i mean he's asking a question like that people might be thinking and maybe we've all thought it like mm -hmm. so you're saying that if it's by grace i can do whatever i want i don't even have to try no <laughs> because grace yeah. doesn't just forgive grace liberates to live for christ grace leads us and forms us and shapes us. It's kind of like, I mean, it would not be kind of God just to leave us in the experience of our sin. And ultimately he won't because when we're raised from the dead, he will give us freedom from sin completely. But in this life, he begins this process. It's very much mm. a process. It's not completed in mm. this life called sanctification or being made holy. And so I've heard it put this way that, uh, in justification, we talked about that word in Romans, we're declared righteous. That is an event happened, mm -hmm. given to you. But sanctification is a process. It's, it's yeah. incomplete. And so we struggle, we, we, we make progress in one area and fail in another, and then trade places you know, and, right. and make progress in that other area, but fail in another. And I, am, I, I think that that at different points in our lives, we struggle with different things. 
And so, mm-hmm. like, the struggle against sin is going to look a lot different as a seven-year-old versus a 17-year-old versus a 70-year-old. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, there, it's amazing to me how much how much friction there is in the Christian world based on these ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, because Roman Catholicism, basically the whole thing is sanctification, justification, sanctification are all the same thing. It can Um, become legalism too, which we talked about. Yeah, it becomes legalism. Then you have a liberal Protestantism, Mm -hmm. which would be like the ELCA and uh, Presbyterian Church USA, Mm -hmm. Episcopal Church, uh, mainline Protestant denominations, which have basically gone the way of lawlessness which yeah. is the other side where it doesn't matter how you live. And it, it's tricky because sometimes on social issues, they're going to say it does matter that you care for the poor and that you care for this political cause. But when it comes to maybe my own private ethical life, right? Nah, not so much. It, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, you brought up two terms and you, you used it to kind of frame this idea. Yeah. One is legalism. And legalism is thinking that the law can make us fly, you know, to return to that image. Yeah, it's multi-layered, right? It, it's mm-hmm. because it's like legalism is like try harder, guilt is going to drive you to be better, shame, yeah, fear, I might lose God's grace, I have to gain God's grace, and it's even laws that God didn't make. Yeah. Like... um you know, so oh, like prohibition, possibly yeah. like no drinking, mm-hmm. alcohol. you can't drink alcohol, you can't smoke, you can't dance, you can't play cards. Mm-hmm. There's certain words that you can't yeah. say, you know, it Sometimes all becomes even no singing. Yeah. No singing. Just kind of, let's take everything away. <laughs> let's just take everything fun away. Until we're good yeah. until we're better. So legalism is very much kind of like parties over, no fun here. Don't get too happy. And you gotta, you have to get yourself in line and discipline yourself perfectly mm-hmm. to kind of reflect God's glory. And if you don't, you, maybe you were never saved. Maybe yeah, you're not going to be saved. Maybe you you're know? not a Christian. Right. So that it's very law. It's very um, forceful. Yeah. And you, I think you, you made a good point that people who have been in a legalistic church environment, or family, mm-hmm. or even a, their own Christian life towards themselves will be filled with fear. Yeah. Like they're going to be either, I think, fearful or hypocritical. Yeah. And I think their legalism pushes sin under the surface and into the dark corners, you know, right? where people are going to sin in secret and then judge others who sin openly. So they're going to be like, that's why sometimes you'll see like in the church, Maybe the the preacher who's coming down the hardest on, say, sexual purity, like that's all they preach about. Right. And then it turns out that they're having an affair or they're all about like, you know, like you need to give your money. And then you find out that they're like, you know, embezzling embezzling or or something like that because we become obsessed with the law. But I think an important thing that Paul teaches is that the law actually makes things worse. Yeah. That the more we focus on the striving after that commandment without the Holy Spirit and without grace, we become more hypocritical and, and more, mm. it just ruins us. Yeah, yeah he, that's where it goes in Romans 7. Romans 7. We'll get there pretty soon because he says, mm-hmm. 
what does he say? The law made made sin increase, so it became sinful beyond measure. Yeah, it's out of control. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. So that it's as kind I heard of it put once, it's when it's like when the T Rex gets out of uh, <laughs> out of the cage in Jurassic Park, it just yeah. starts eating everything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, now it's over. Yeah. Uh, good. So then the other law, law word that you brought up to to say the other side of the error is lawlessness. Lawlessness. And that was, I had a hard time figuring out what to call that because yeah. you could call it licentiousness, but... Which is like you have a license to sin. Yeah, yeah. It's got the word license yeah. in it. Or the technical theological term is antinomianism, which means yeah. anti-namas is the word for law, anti-law yeah. or no law. I think licentiousness captures it the best because it's that license. It's like, oh, because I have Jesus, I have license to go against what God has spoken mm-hmm. into creation in the law. Yeah. But as far as, as what made sense to people, I think lawlessness made the most sense yeah. in terms of, okay, I get it, lawlessness. Yep. And really lawlessness, um, the point is that we, we use grace to ignore the law and really what it means mm. is that we're going to ignore creation hmm. because when hmm. you ignore the law you ignore creation like things like what is marriage or hmm. things like what do human relationships look like and hmm. how do they thrive and what does god expect of me as a human being created in his image hmm. when you ignore those things by ignoring the law it's always has consequence it, it always ruins and harms and hurts yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, if you were to think, what would a community look like that continually practiced lawlessness? A Christian community that said, yeah, because Jesus died, we're free to just live as, as we want. I mean, love's all that matters. Yeah. You know, and love meaning permission to kind of be your authentic self and whatever that means to you. Yeah. And that but, means go for it. But that's a totally different definition of love because right. love forms and shapes towards something, a worthy goal. Mm-hmm. Love sometimes says no for the sake of something better. Um, if you want to look at love, love is Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a self-sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and even um, the law is love. It is, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. when it says... Hey, honor your father and your mother, right? Well, that's because God gave them to you. They're good for your existence. Mm-hmm. And you owe it to them. They brought you into this world. So yeah. to dishonor them is to hate them. To yeah. honor them is to love them. Right. Uh, so love has a definite shape. And so a community that says, nah, don't worry about this like law stuff or these direct words from God about how we are to exist here. Don't worry about your sin. Just give in. Just give yeah. in. It's not Just, a big deal. He was going to forgive so much you grace. anyways. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like a drop in the ocean, right? Don't mm-hmm. even worry about it. Um, and it's like, okay, you know, God does forgive us mm-hmm. <laughs> when we return to him after we've thought that and done that. Like, yeah. But it's not why Christ died for us. I mean, he, he really did die for us to liberate us, to live as free and happy people. And we are free and happy insofar as we conform to his will. Hmm. And we become miserable and just, you know, it, it's, it's actually dehumanizing to, hmm. to break God's law. Hmm. Uh, yeah, let's, so how can we explain that a little bit 
better. Like if, if we were um, putting together like a, a go-kart, let's say. Okay. And uh, there, we had like a blueprint for how the go-kart was going to be together, where the wheels are going to go, how the steering hooked up, you know, how the engine's going to be positioned. And we decide we're going to throw that blueprint away and we're just going to put everything where we think it's going to fit best. Yeah. And in fact, we're going to have our kids do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to let our kids get in there and just ride it around. Well, it's inherently going to be less than the, what the design was for it. Yeah. Right. It's going to be inherently less balanced, less controllable, you know, maybe even dangerous because we're not paying attention to its inherent design and the designer behind that, the mind behind it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the same thing with humanity. Mm-hmm. And God gave a particular good blueprint for humanity, right? That Jesus actually fulfills. He does mm-hmm. it perfectly. And so it turns out how to be a true human is to be a self-giving, other-loving creature. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was. So when we say, I don't worry about the law, that just means you're going to inherently disregard your creator's blueprint for you. Oh yeah. And you're going to run into the rough edges of reality. Cause like, it's one thing to say, I'm going to do what I want. Well, see how that works. And, and when we do that, you know, sometimes we get angry at others. We get angry at God. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and I think it's important to, to note what's at the root of all of this. Um, Tim Keller in his book, Preaching, um, great book, uh, Tim Keller makes the point that the root cause of antinomianism or, or lawlessness and legalism, the root cause of both of those is my desire to be in control hmm. or unbelief. Because like legalism doesn't trust God. I have to perform. I have to do it. I don't hmm. trust that what Jesus did is enough. Lawlessness says, I don't trust God because I don't think his law is good and I think my law is better. And so I'm not, I don't trust dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's old and boring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it, it, if you want to, honestly, if, if, you, if you want a good picture of lawlessness, go and, and watch the Twisted Sister video uh, we're not going to take it. Like watch the whole thing yeah. because it, it's very much this like mom and dad are stupid. They're old. They don't know what they're talking about. They're out of touch. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to trash the place. Yeah. That's what lawlessness is. It's like BC boys. You got to fight for your right to party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah same thing. Yeah. Um, and, but both of those legalism and lawlessness is this like, I know better, I trust myself, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it myself. And yeah. it's unbelief. So I, I like, I really like that idea. There's, a, I think it's kind of brilliant because if you look at it from the outside, you think those things are totally not related. You know, yeah. one person's just like going crazy, sinning however they want. And the other person's like super rigid and controlled. They look nothing like each other, but you're saying at the heart of it is the same illness, which is, I just don't trust God. Yeah, I think you see it in the parable of the prodigal son, which should really be called the parable of the two lost sons, Hmm. uh, Luke 15. 
You have the younger son who doesn't trust dad, who thinks he knows better, who says, you know, give to me the inheritance. And then he leaves and parties hard. And then you have the son who stays home and keeps the rules, but he doesn't trust the father or mm. really want a relationship with him. You know, mm-hmm. both of them just wanted the dad's stuff. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, a loving relationship as far as the sons went toward the father. So the good, I mean, the right attitude, the right posture comes when first we know we can't do the law. This is where Paul's taking us in Romans. You can't do the law. To think that the law saves is condemnation, is to be condemned. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, that's where you have to start. Can't do the law. But then, okay, well, Christ has saved me for the sake of, or for, uh, by his work on the cross. Mm-hmm. Not for my own sake, but for his work. And okay, I'm saved. I'm secure. I'm in the mm-hmm. family of God. But now the law comes back. Mm-hmm. And now it's not the law that's changed. It's my heart. And your relationship with the law too. Right. Yeah. So now the law becomes something I don't have to like check off the boxes, but it's a good way of life that my father invites me into. Yeah. It's really like, okay, how do I live as a genuine human being now? Like Jesus has taken off of my back the terrible burden of trying to justify myself by my works. And so now he invites me into this new life, this new reality of looking outside of myself and looking toward my neighbor. Mm. Like I can really get busy making sacrifices and taking risks to really care about people and to not think about myself so much Mm. because Mm. um, that's what the Christian life is now. It's like you, you get busy with you know, loving your neighbor. Uh, One, I think, helpful way of talking um, is justification is you're in Christ. Yeah. So this language of being in Christ, you're baptized into Christ, you're clothed in Christ, um, you're a part of his body. This is by grace, Mm -hmm. not by works. So be included in Christ is kind of that justification. It happened to you. It happened outside of you. Mm-hmm. And then Christ in you mm-hmm. is sanctification language that, okay, now Jesus moves in, yeah. moves into your heart. It's going to start rearranging stuff. Totally. Yeah. He's going to move, move the furniture around. He's going to paint. He's mm-hmm. going to change things. And he's going to be conforming you into what it means to be a true human. And that might surprise you. It might be glorious. Um, but it's going to be a process of restoration yeah. Um, yeah. and change. And both of those things are, are true. Mm-hmm. So our justification is complete. It's done. You rest there. Our sanctification is, it's a grind, right? We're cooperating. We're glorifying God. We're allowing him to burn up our dross, mm-hmm. you know, and be purified. And it's going to be... a uh, a time of, of being renewed. One of the things I think that's interesting about Romans 6 is that Paul references baptism, which, you know, we're baptized into mm-hmm. the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we died with him and we were raised with him. And it's interesting to me that, that well, also the both of the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism are cross and empty tomb centered. Mm. In the Lord's Supper, you remember his death and his resurrection. 
in that meal and in baptism we embody the death and the resurrection of Jesus uh, in baptism. Both the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we preach and give in the sacraments. That is the focal point of justification and the focal point of our sanctification. So Mm. what does it look like to be made right with God? It's through the cross Mm. and the empty tomb, the resurrection. What does it look like to live daily as a Christian? Mm. It looks like the cross. You die with Jesus Mm. daily. It looks like the empty tomb. And so what's really cool to remember is that the death and the resurrection of Jesus for us is not just the way we get right with God and then you get busy working hard. The death and the resurrection of Jesus is the way by which we're made like Jesus too. Hmm. It's like the whole Christian life is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Hmm. You know, you, you go back to that every day and it's that, that grace that becomes leverage for living a new life. Hmm. I like to think of it this way too is that grace allows me the space and the security to think about what better options I have. Because if you live in a grace-depleted world, the only options you have are like fight, flight, freeze. You know? mm. But if you are justified by the grace of God through faith, you have different options. You can maybe approach situations and people and moral questions differently. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. So that's, that's the interplay between the law of God, the gospel of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be healthy. We want to trust. Um, God has completely paid for my salvation in the propitiation, the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I trust him completely with my heart, even mm-hmm. if that means some discomfort. Yeah. Some rearranging of the furniture of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, he's a good father. And so I'm going to yeah. listen. Well, and that's really my prayer for Holy Cross for our community is that we would be a community where what we are up to on a weekly, daily basis is the gospel, that we know that we're loved. We know that we're secure. We know that we're saved. We don't have doubts about that. We're at rest, but we are also... Um, invested in this this life of following Jesus where we think, hey, worship's important. Um, mm-hmm. Being a Christian on a daily basis is important. Uh, how I live as a parent or as, uh, as an employee or an employer or husband, wife, student, all that stuff, it really makes a difference. And, and God has given me meaningful, good work to do and it matters. Yeah, right, right, good. <laughs> so we don't want, because I, I guess I said in the sermon that lawlessness is, is a particular um, Lutheran problem. Let's maybe end on that. Uh, yeah. It, I, I imagine that some people who grew up in a Lutheran church could have said, no, I think legalism's the problem, because maybe sure. they grew up at Wrath of God Lutheran Church. Yeah. Um, but I do, I still really do think that in our current culture and just the way we function sometimes, yeah, that sometimes lawlessness is the bigger problem. I think so. 
I think so. I think legalism, people are pretty onto it. In fact, I would, I would even venture to say, not to muddy the waters too much, but we almost have a, a lawless legalism. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because people say, if you don't give me permission from God to, to live how I want to live, you're being a legalist, <laughs> right? Or um, you must do this to be a good Christian. Oh, right, yeah. You see? So yeah. they turn that licentiousness, if, if you're not practicing licentiousness, you're not a true Christian. And they turn that into a law Yeah. by which you must be saved, right? So, yeah, I think, well, Luther said it pretty well. You know, humanity is like a drunk man on a horse. <laughs> there you go. And they f- you fall off on one side and someone pushes you back up and then you fall off on the other side. And so that's how it is with legalism and lawlessness. It's yeah. like we have to be guarding against both of those. And yeah. Stay on the horse. <laughs> you know, Jesus talks about the narrow way. Mm-hmm. And it seems to fit that we're called to follow the narrow way, which is neither legalism or lawlessness. Hmm. And faith. It's faith. Yeah, it's the way of faith. And it's not always easy or clear, but it's certainly good. Yeah. Yeah. And... And I think, too, that sometimes the more licentious or lawless we become, the more legalistic our society becomes. And I'll Hmm. give you an example. N.T. Wright, uh, he's a a writer, um, theologian guy from England. He he said, you know, that the uh, sexual ethics is an example. We are, as a culture in the Western world, libertine with our sexual Mm -hmm. ethics. The only real rules are, you know, like, like, Consent, consent, mm-hmm. not incest. And not hurting people. Not hurting people, not children. Yep. And, and in that world where there's no real sexual rules, um, it becomes such a free-for-all that we actually need to make more laws upon mm-hmm. laws upon laws. So why is, is like consent such a huge thing on college campuses? Mm-hmm. It, it becomes yeah. almost this legalistic... I'm not sure what the law is or if I'm breaking it. There's so many right. rules because the more people don't trust each other and the more the relationship's not defined and the more it is a free-for-all, we have to make more rules because you have to contain <laughs> the free-for-all. You know, it yeah, becomes right, right. really pretty yeah, um, difficult to navigate. Totally, yeah, know? so that you have to be asking consent all the time. And even, yeah, what are different levels of consent yeah. and and... Yeah, I, I heard a similar problem, um, like with abortion. Mm-hmm. So abor- I, I saw some some people saying, "Well, if you're going to say that you can't um, can't have any abortions, then we have to legally make men responsible for the children they bear." <laughs> and I was like, "Amen." <laughs> you know, that's called like marriage. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's what it's called. It's called marriage. Like men are should be legally responsible for the children they bear and not right. leave it to the woman. Yeah. And so they're creating, they're like this backlash against a law to create a law and the original law would suffice. You know, God saying honor marriage, right? Care for your children, honor marriage. Yeah. That would be enough. But because right. we've pushed past one boundary, we have to create another one. Yeah, when we take sexuality out of the realm of lifetime commitment, man and woman, fidelity, no harm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like marriage becomes this place of formal consent where, I mean, because the stakes are high, you're not, mm-hmm. gonna, you're not going to be forceful 
mm -hmm. marriage because yeah, right. you have a lifetime partnership that you're invested in. Mm -hmm. And so, but then when you take away that boundary and say, sexuality is now it's an open playground, yeah. like you got to fight for your right to party. Yeah, right. You know, if, if it becomes that scene, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh my gosh, we need more rules. Well, and you end up using kind of the civil authority of the law to get, mm -hmm. to, to force God's law upon other people anyway. Yeah. Or invent a new one, right? So that you're protected. Yeah. So shall we go on sending that grace may abound? Meganoita, may it never be. No, right. Not going to do it. But, um, and just, I, final thing to just say, I mean, what we're not preaching is, is, is perfectionism. We're not preaching that you will ever get to a place where you never sin. We as Christians have a continual battle with sin, with all the commandments. Be aware of that battle. Desperately cling to Christ in that battle. Mm -hmm. And when you fail, flee to Christ. The, the worst thing you can ever do is stop fighting. Even if you're fighting and it feels weak and it feels like mm. you're, you're in over your head, Christ is with you. And the worst thing you could ever do is just stop fighting. Yeah. And, and just follow, I mean, what's so cool about Jesus, you know, is his mercy ever going to run out, no. John? It's like the sun. It just keeps yeah. going. Yeah, it's it's like, new every morning. Yeah. And so, you, I mean, if our own hearts condemn us, uh, the one who is greater than our hearts continues to forgive. So yep. bring your sin, lay it down at the cross, nail it in there, uh, and be free. Trust. Amen. Amen.